welcome back. Hi, everyone. Oh, oh, well, Connor, there you are. Hi. Yeah, I disappeared. Oh, it's so weird to see you on the other side. Gosh, I know, right? Yeah. Hi. Hi. What show is this? This is um, Golden Girls. No, we're not that old. We may be out of college, uh, but we're not that old. Uh, oh, thank you for the post-it note. Uh, are your parents proud of you? Ah, yes, that's yes, what yes, the show is. Yes, 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 yes. Well, we are your uh, wonderful hosts. I'm Matthew. I'm Connor. And on today's show, we're going to speak to Melissa Crabtree. Now, folks, fun fact. Melissa is the Mrs. Claus at Navy Pier for the last six years. She's the only Mrs. Claus in the Chicagoland area to be Mrs. Claus. She is also an actor and director of Brideside Theater, Metropolis, and Edge Theater. She's also the founder of an active plant, a sticker company with her cat, Maybell. And fun fact, we were married for six hours. What? Yeah. Married for yeah. six hours? Yeah. Longest relationship I've you, ever what, been in. You, you married for six... Wow, that's longer than I've been married. You and I have been married. How come, wait, how come, how come you got married and I haven't gotten married? Are you, someone has not proposed to me yet? Well, I signed a contract. Have so. you seen my face? Have you seen this bod? Why haven't I gotten that's married? Weird. Excuse me. Um, I'm sorry. Something very important came up. I actually have to call my boyfriend and talk about this. So uh, oh. uh, you have fun talking to your ex-wife, I guess. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, man. I just can't win this season, Griffin. <laughs> no. So, all right, I guess uh, guess I'm doing this solo again, folks. Well, uh, listen away. Well, hello, Melissa. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> My pleasure. So, it's funny. So, we were going to record. We were going to actually meet in person March 14th. And then yes. everything shut down so yep. quickly. Everything, yeah, it shut down so quickly. And that was, I think, still a couple days before things like fully officially shut down. But like yeah. the, the tides was coming and it was like, I don't want to see people anymore. Nope. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, I, I think I messaged you like maybe a day before we had to cancel and we were still like on board. But then the next day, Columbia shut down. So I was like, oh, well, this might change some things. And then lo and behold, everything got uh, shut down. So, yep. Uh, Two months how, later. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we like to meet our deadlines pretty much. Um, <laughs> how are you holding up? How's everything been in quarantine? Doing land? good. Quarantine land is uh, an interesting land. I'm sure we're all feeling the timey wiminess of quarantine land. There, there's not a lot of like weird deadlines of like you have to eat breakfast by 8 a.m every day so I don't eat breakfast by 8 a.m every day <laughs> but like it's so it's been interesting there's like definite times where it feels like the day has gone on forever and then there's times you sneeze and it's June <laughs> well and lo and behold this is when we're not recording in June but it's May <laughs> but it's May close. but like it's very close. Like, I feel like March was 10 years long. Right. And then all of a sudden April, and now it's the end of May already. And like, they keep saying like, we're living through an unprecedented time. And I'm like, yes, we are. But sometimes I would like to go back to a precedented, pre precedented, president, a time Line. where we understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're about to move into phase three, uh, I think by, by the time it's recording, the end of the week. 
Are you ready for that? I mean, nothing's going to change for me, but uh, it definitely bodes well for things starting to like come back. But like, it's always the question of like, are we just becoming okay with people getting sick now? And that's why we're reopening or like, it's weird. It's weird. There's no good answer to any of it. Yeah. Because you can't stop creating right now. You just oh, can't. Sure. No, the arts sure. is what is going to get us through this. Speaking of creating and parents, we met through, <laughs> do you like my segue? <laughs> that, that's a great segue, Matt. Great. <laughs> <laughs> we met through Winter Wonder Fest at Navy Pier. Uh, we met, well, a few years ago. Uh, and then last holiday, holiday 2019, I had the pleasure of being the understudy of Santa for your husband. And we got to be married for six hours in one day. Uh, yep. You've been doing this for a long time, which I find crazy. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, I've been Mrs. Claus at Navy Pier for seven years, eight years, okay. seven years, seven years. I think seven years. Let's pick seven. Let's pick seven. It's been a while. They kind of run together a little. Yeah. I can tell you more based on like who my Santa was rather than like what year it was. Yeah. And what, how did you get involved with that? Did you start out as the Mrs. Claus or were you like... For those I who don't know, it's Winter Wonderfest is like a town. Yeah, so Winter Wonderfest is a town. I was actually in the cast of Winter Wonderfest in 2010, right after graduating with my first theater degree. And I played Princess Natalia of Antarctica. I had a ginormous princess dress. I wore a toddler's and tiara foot and a half tall crown that I actually have in my dining room. Uh, and I was literally the photo op character. This is before the characters had a town or a location. It was just like this group of 14 fun wacky characters that would hang out in the fest and play games with people and I was the like photo op character that like everyone wanted I had a print I had a fairy that would travel around with me I had an arch nemesis named the Mysticles who was trying to take over Antarctica from me and like we just had a lot of fun and so then I went away to uh, get my second degree in Australia and I came back and I auditioned again and this time they were like uh we want you to play Mrs. Claus and I was like okay why not? I was very young at the time. And, and they were like, and so they had hired two redheads and they went, we're going to make them young. You guys are going to be great. And I just had a lot of fun. And then the next year I bothered uh, my now husband, but back then we were engaged. I was like, you need to audition for Winter Wonderfest. It's the best gig that there is for actors in Chicago. It pays hourly. They're the kindest people. It'll be great. And Sue Kessler had the brilliant idea to have us be Santa and Mrs. Claus together. Mm. And it a john is hands down the best santa in chicago land the way he can read kids and be exactly the kind of santa that, that they need and he can read them in an instant like those six feet from like walking up from like leaving the line and walking up to the chair he knows what that kid needs he knows if they need a big bubbly santa or if they just need a chill person to talk to or if they need a hug or anything and so uh he's always been like hands down my favorite but eventually I think three years ago we used to have two Santas and two Mrs. Clauses always but there was always this like story of there was always one good Santa and one not as good Santa and so after the year of Dennis which that's its whole own story 
after the year of Dennis, they went, we're not doing this anymore. We're just going to have John be Santa. Cause like the gap between like John and the other Santas was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so uh, they just had John start to become Santa. And then I, I would just, I get to hang out with them and it's delightful. It's, I, we always say it's the best month of our year because we get to love on the city of Chicago really, really, really hard. And we also feel that love right back. But I also really never have any solid memory of what happens in December except for Santa because we're exhausted. <laughs> it's a demanding job. It's, it's every day for, what, a month? Yeah, I think this year we only missed... 20 out of because we started on black friday this year and we went until christmas eve and i think john only missed four days something like and that. and then i missed six because i got sick at the beginning but like yeah. it's it's exhausting mm-hmm. but it's also so much fun like uh, we're both working actors and it's so hard to find gigs or jobs when you freelance that you get to do with your spouse uh and so we get to spend a month sitting in a chair next to each other and talking about who knows what a lot of build-a-bear we talked a lot of build-a-bear this year uh because for the first time ever santa was across from a -A build-a-bear so Mm -hmm. like it was just there you just had to talk about it um but yeah so it's kind of become a family tradition for us that we get to santa and then we know that it's become a tradition for a lot of families in the Chicagoland area to come and meet us. Like we had a family this year, pull up a phone and go like, all right, this is you. And this is you last year. And this is you two years ago. And this is you three years ago. Or like there's families that'll walk up and I recognize them because we've wow. seen them for six years. Or a lot of times I'll recognize the parent because the parents either like we have had a nice conversation with them or like they've consistently been good people. And then because uh, the kids change every year. Fun fact, kids get older. Really? Not sure if everyone knew that. But... <laughs> You're, you're telling really me old. it's exhausting but it's it's very rewarding so yeah so i got to sit next to matt for six hours one day because john got sick and give him kind of a santa crash course and also just like life coaching like mrs claus loves life coaching because she's seen it all <laughs> i love that you know we talked like real topics in character like yep. i was doing my really okay santa voice and like every time you made me laugh i had to do like the ho 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 uh and the worst part was the show i was doing at the time i would bring that ho 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 like on stage or backstage i'm like oh my god can i say the training for this i was so overwhelmed because i didn't think first of all i didn't think i would get picked at all so when i found out like we want you to play the understudy for santa i was like no 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 no. this is this, this isn't right um, and then we went to rehearsal and first of all, you and John were so lovely to me and the understudy for Mrs. Claus. Um, so lovely and so kind and so open and willing to help us out. I mean, yes, you said a crash course, but it was just nice to have just learn different things about. Yeah. How there's, there's a real children. science to it. Yeah. There's a real science to it because never in your performing career, will you have an audience inches from your face? Mm -hmm. And there's such a a vulnerable audience that like, they really care what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And like, you matter a lot to them. (laughs) 
<laughs> and like, you just, you're never going to experience that anywhere else. And it's, it's a great responsibility. What do they say? Was it a Batman? He's like, with great responsibility comes great something. I don't know. <laughs> you just pissed off so many fanboys right now. I did. With, I'm so sorry, everyone. I love action. I think action it's Spider-Man. With, it's I think Spider-Man. it's Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yes, says Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> but like, there's just there's something about there's a yeah there's like there's a lot of like science and logistics to santa like you never promise the gift you never uh you there's clever workarounds of everything um my favorite thing if someone says santa's not real we go well are you real and then you have start having an existential crisis because kids (laughs) don't like that uh but uh there's my favorite santa trick is the idea in the story that santa we of course know that santa is not a man who lives up in the north pole but santa is a metaphor for kindness and for Mm. surprising someone with kindness because kindness is always when it's unexpected that's the best kind of gift you can give is a uh is that moment of like it's that kind surprise that warm fuzzy feeling and so for kids that's a really like obscure kind of concept for a kid to like understand so for them they get they get a uh, a human picture to go with it santa but when your kid starts to get a little old starts to question it you pull them aside and you go all right now's the time for the secret i'm gonna let you in on it yes santa's not a guy up in the north pole but he is within all of us and so it's your job to now be a santa for someone else and you have that kid pick out a person you get them a gift you surprise them and then they get to feel what it feels like to give something without expecting anything in return and see how that lights up someone else's life and like that's my like boom for santa also though my very first year of winter wonderfest i am absolutely 100% certain that the real santa was a santa that year he was the nicest guy Really? Was yes. it like one of those like Miracle on Thurper streets? Oh, kind of hands down. He had like the overalls, the big beard, jolliest guy in the world. And we were just like, Santa's here. Santa <laughs> is actually here. So like, it's, it's weird because like, we are the mythology. I have like so much random, like Santa, Mrs. Claus knickknacks in my house. We have like a teapot. We have mugs. We have dolls that dance we have build-a-bears uh, we, we have everything this year or in this house that's santa e and christmasy but um yeah i was like it's it's a weird thing that we do but it's my favorite thing every year we go because it's so exhausting like it just when christmas hits we are not the people that you want to have come to your christmas party on christmas day because we're asleep on a couch like <laughs> we go to my parents house we open presents and then we just pass out for a couple hours because it's it's exhausting and then we go on vacation <laughs> we literally are the clauses we always go uh we go and visit john's family on the west coast right after christmas so we can spend like after christmas with them but we always joke that like yeah we, we go on vacation right after right after christmas because we need it did this science did this science come from the first year or, or did it come from just years of doing it uh my very first year as a mrs claus i read the santa land diaries and i read like any blog i could find about 
Santa and the Santa process. And that clued us, that clued me into some things because our training my very first year was very much on building the character like you would in a, in a show, like how you build like your background, your mannerisms and all of those things. But like, I learned things like you don't want to put a kid's, you want to keep the kid's knees together because no one wants the picture of the kid straddling Santa's knee like a horse. Like that's not a pretty picture. And uh, as Mrs. Claus, I always find that it's my kind of responsibility to work on the aesthetics of the image while it's Santa's responsibility to work on the heart of the image or like, cause a lot of times the kid is so enamored with Santa that I can kind of finagle or do those kinds of things. Like you, you never want Santa to be the one that be, that's like, oh, okay, everyone let's all smile. No, no, no. Yeah. Mrs. Claus is going to say that. Uh, and so some of it is the bit of research we did at the very beginning just over the years picking up on tricks um we always come back at the beginning of every new season and that first day is always the most interesting because some of these things are so ingrained in us because we've been doing it like it's hardcore muscle memory um if you walk away from us in the month of january the odds of us saying merry christmas to you is very high like even (laughs) like if I'm saying like happy Halloween, I'm gonna say Merry Christmas. Like Merry Christmas just from but like there's certain things that just like come on every year that like you forget, like, oh yeah, that's a trick that we use when the kid's really shy and we want them to be able to hear something. So yeah, it's some science and it's some just like trial and error over the years and like finding little things here and there. You find your tricks. Everyone has their own little tricks. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same in Wondertown as well. Everyone finds their games or finds what they can do. And like what keeps them happy. Um, one of the things that I know keeps me and John happy, because the hardest thing I think about Santa is the fact that you have no control over when your audience arrives. Yeah. Because if you're doing a scene, if you're having a wonderful discussion about Star Wars and how excited you are for the new movie, because they always come out every December, it's a big point of topic. Uh you have to drop everything because now your focus is 100% on these kids. So there's that level of like uncertainty that I think adds to the exhaustion because you just can't, you can't uh, bounce back and forth as easily as you can bounce a scene. Like you can't be like, Oh, I'm going to finish this first. No, you drop everything because all your attention is to that kid. Yeah. And I think what was so nice about working with you for those couple hours was I learned so much. And, um, and this is a fact that, I didn't know which was you're one of the like only two Mrs. Clauses in Chicago. Is that correct? Uh, we are uh, Navy Pier is the only place where you can officially meet Mrs. Claus in Chicago. Really? That's awesome. Yeah, we are the only place. I was like, everyone else just has a Santa and maybe some elves, but like Navy Pier has always had a Mrs. Claus, which I think is just delightful. And the Mrs. Claus makes for such a better experience yeah. because A, if you have more than one kid, they get double the amount of time. So like a lot of times when you have two kids, like whatever kid's sitting closer to Santa or talks louder gets the most like Santa time. But like when you have two of us, like we'll sit and have full conversations. And that's always one of my favorite things to do is to get, because I normally get the shyer one because I look a little more like a human being. I am also not the mythical one who decides on whether or not they're good or bad or get toys for the rest of their life. It's a big decision. Uh, (laughs) 
And so a lot of times I get the one who just wants to like talk or I love finding out about the gift choice that they want. That's my favorite thing to do. So like mm-hmm. if a kid goes, I want a doll for Christmas, I go, oh, well, what kind of doll? And then I get to find out a little bit more about them or whenever they're, uh, my favorite is like whenever they ask for like art supplies or I like it when kids ask for cameras because I like to ask them what kind of things they want to take pictures of. And like some of it's like my family or like flowers or like you get to, you get to know kids for a little second. And they get to be heard and they get to be heard and respected and appreciated by an adult. And that not everyone gets that all the time. Like we always have our heartbreaker stories of the kids who never want to leave or who ask like, does Santa bring presents to jail or can you bring someone back? Or like, can you make my mom and dad love each other again? And like, those are hard, but you give them that extra big hug and squeeze. And if they come back through the line again, you give them another hug and squeeze and you just, you love on them really, really hard. Uh, Sue Kessler, our first director told, told us, I think in me and John's first year there. And she said, Santa and Mrs. Claus for a lot of kids are what an ideal married couple looks like. They love each other, no matter what they are kind with each other and they respect each other. And for some kids, this is the glimpse that they get of what that looks like every year. And that's a big responsibility. But I always say my marriage is strongest after a Santa season because we've just spent so much time sharing, but we've just spent so much time sharing the most wonderful experience together. And it's, it's a delight and I love it. So what, what is a bigger relationship test, this pandemic or being the clauses? Oh, uh, the pandemic, (laughs) but that's, that's only because, so my husband's an only child and his parents are on the older side. And so he spent the first two months of the pandemic with them in Seattle. And I lived with my cats by myself for two months. So that was exhausting, but now he's back and everything's great. He's asleep right now. (laughs) He's more nocturnal. Uh, he lives kind of permanently on West coast time, except during Santa season. That's why he always drinks a lot of coffee in the morning during Santa season. (laughs) Oh, my kind of Santa. Santa. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, it was dangerous this year. Santa this year was across, was like next to the Starbucks in Navy yeah. Pier. We had Starbucks <laughs> at least four days a week. It was bad. And no harm, no foul is what I said every time. Yeah. Uh, I was like, nope. <laughs> so I, I'm really curious. I want to take it back to young Melissa when she was a child. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in, uh, well, I was born in Canada, but I lived there for a whole three months and then immigrated to the U.S. They were already in the process of doing all that. My mom is an American citizen, so, like, it wasn't a hard thing to move down here. So I grew up, uh, I think my, like, child childhood would have been in Pennsylvania, and then we moved to the Chicagoland area when I was eight. So I really don't have too many memories of Pennsylvania. Like most of it, I go, I'm a Chicago kid. I grew up in the Northwest suburbs, the burbs. <laughs> the cool kids call it nowadays. Yep. Yeah, where we'd say we were from Chicago, but like in no way, shape or form were we from Chicago. Yeah, Those kids. Yeah, I was one of those kids. <laughs> what, were you, uh, what were you like as a child? Uh, I was the, uh, well, I am still the oldest of three children. Uh, and I, uh, I got my directorial bossy tendencies from a young age and also my quest for theater from a young age. I definitely forced all the neighborhood kids to perform in a production of Joseph in my garage. 
I would also make my siblings reenact the Nutcracker every year to the point where like I get reminded if Nutcracker music plays at Christmas about the time I made my sister carry me. Um, <laughs> yeah, they didn't like playing Nutcracker for many years. Uh, and uh, yeah, I kind of, I was always the older one, the one who, I was the goody two shoes in the family as well. But I did, a, I was the one who drove the theater bug. All of my siblings are also in the performing arts. I feel very bad for my parents' finances when they get old. Uh, but because uh, my brother's a, a pianist in mm -hmm. a lot of pit bands throughout Chicago and very a cool. composer in his own right. And then my sister is an experimental harpist who, yes, okay. What, what's what's experimental her. harpist? Everyone go to your Instagram right now and look up harp plus the plus sign that is her band uh she is a internationally recognized harp matt's literally doing right now she's an internationally oh. recognized harpist she does everything with a harp that you don't think a harp does so like she wears ripped jeans she uh uses looping pedals she does a lot of imp free improvisation and things she gets grants to tour through canada uh she's toured through the u.s she's very cool it's very strange but it's very cool stuff. So yeah, Harp yeah. Plus, it's very interesting. Uh, she was supposed to be doing a museum ex exhibition this spring called Homecomings yeah. that was all about uh, our childhood turned into music. I was very excited about that. So that's getting postponed because I want to see my childhood turn into experimental harp music. Right. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Forget but like, musicals. Uh, yeah, she did uh, a live... Uh, performance for a museum when it was the anniversary of the space landing and it's super cool but like she does it's really cool music and yeah I don't understand it but I find it fascinating mm -hmm. so yeah so that that's our house was a very musical house growing up everyone took lessons we all took dance uh, we all did theater together but uh yeah so like I grew up in a family that loved and appreciated the arts because both of my parents grew up in families that like the arts existed but like they weren't a thing that was encouraged uh like my dad grew up in a farming family my mom grew up in a pastor's family and so like the arts always existed but they weren't like that's not what you do for a living so my parents were always and still are very encouraging and supportive of the arts they do worry about our finances because Let's be honest, the arts are not a place you go to make money. They're a place you go to create joy and share passions and to make the world a better place. While they might not understand the industry, they definitely appreciate the industry. Like they've never missed a performance of mine in Chicago. Um, the only time they've ever missed any of my shows is when I lived in Australia which they were not going to make those. We taped yeah. it. Uh, we decided that when I lived in Australia, we would pick a matinee. So any, so I did like multiple month runs of a couple musicals when I lived in Australia. And in each of those runs, we'd pick one matinee and we would decide this is Melissa's parents. This is the show they're coming to. We'd print out pictures of them and we'd tape them in the front row and everyone would do the show for my parents and with a regular audience and things. But like they would, the box office would set aside two seats and we'd put them up and it was always very sweet. But... Yeah, as I, I'm, I am lucky that I've had parents who understand that theater is an ever-changing thing. Do they worry about my retirement fund? Oh, yeah. Do I worry about my retirement fund? Oh, yeah. But, like... <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? They're confusing. 
but I very proudly do my own taxes, which for any of you fellow actors or theater professionals out there, taxes are a pain in the butt because so many W-2s, so many 1099s, but we do it, but we do it. But yeah, so I I like to say that I am the master of many side hustles, but I've been Mm -hmm. very lucky that a few of my side hustles have kind of taken over so that I don't have to have 10 side hustles now. I have like a firm four, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funky because like we, we can't earn our living right now doing the things we normally do. We can't go on a stage and make people laugh. We can't go on a stage and make people smile, but, and like the internet is good for some things, but there's something about sharing an experience with a group of people that we're missing. And I know a lot of people are missing that connection. It, like I even hearken it to, um, I always go, me and John always go and see Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, first showing, first release, because you just can't beat that audience. You can't beat everyone screaming and cheering when the hero comes on or like catching that cameo and us all going <gasps> together. And like, there's something about that shared human experience that we're just all missing right now. And it's yeah. the little things. Yeah. It's the the first time I went to a grocery store after a month of not leaving my house because I got everything delivered. And the cashier talked, uh, mentioned how much they liked that peanut butter I had bought. They're like, oh, isn't this stuff the best kind? And I walked out of the store almost crying because I was like, I hadn't had a just like spontaneous conversation with anyone in a month. Not one that wasn't just like planned or like called and like had I reached out or they reached out, just like a stranger talking about peanut butter. Yeah. And, you know, when this whole thing happened, party was so ready for the summer. Like back in March, I was like, oh, all right, well, if anything, we'll be good to go by summer. And then as time went on and then we, I realized that, well, maybe not. And yet here I am, here we are in about the end of June. Uh, my summer job is still open and looks like it might happen as a day camp counselor. And, you know, I'm a little concerned about how are we going to have a thousand kids in, a th- in one camp for three months. Um, but I'm so curious to see what happens, but I'm also so excited just to see contact again. Well, face-to-face contact, not physical because that ain't happening. Um but anyways, so you went, so this is the part that I am so curious yeah. about. You went to school in Australia. Uh, that was that right yes. after high school or were that, that takes some time. Uh, that was my, that was for my second degree. So I got my first degree in musical theater performance from St. Clair up in Canada. Okay. And then they had a program with a sister university in Australia called Griffith university, where we, as once we had our first degree could hop into the final year of their degree. And so I got a second degree in applied theater, which is using theater in every form except on a stage, basically. Mm. So it's non-traditional spaces. Uh, My senior thesis project was in a children's ward in a hospital. And so Mm. we did uh, theater activities for the kids. And that was fun because like each week uh, there was a group of five of us. Each week we'd come up with like some sort of plot or storyline. We all had characters and costumes and the kids would either have to like solve the story with us or just hang out with like a different group of characters. And like, it was really fun. And I equate a lot of that to Wonderfestness 
And I know, because by that, when I went to Australia, I had already done one season of Wonderfest. And so like, I already kind of had that little bit of backbone of the improv and the like, how you relate to kids and how you just like make up your own games and just play them. And if you start playing a game, some kid will wander over and be like, this looks fun. It's very true. You could, just, you could be looking at a Christmas tree, counting how many ornaments are on it. And they'll walk over and be like, okay, one, two, three. Like kids just want to play. And that's one yeah. of the most fun things. And that's also like, uh, you always hear the, the, the saying that like theater is a play. You're there to play. We're there to yeah. experience being these characters. Um, I, that's, that's always my favorite part of theater is getting to jump in and do someone else's story for a little bit. And to also do someone else's story that you already know the ending of, like, <laughs> I don't know the ending of my own life right now, or like realistically the ending of like the next two months. Well, no matter <laughs> what, the, there will be a cat no matter what in your life, correct? Oh yeah. Mabel's not going anywhere. I have a cat <laughs> named Mabel. She loves me probably obsessively. Um, she is, she's currently just like guarding the door of the room I'm in. It's but like she's no loud noises allowed. Yeah. Oh no. Whenever John goes away to uh, be with, to help out his parents, she takes her responsibilities of my safety very seriously. Uh, if it, if it gets to be nighttime outside, she'll start being like, Hey, Hey, you want to, you want to go to sleep in the big cat bed? It's dark outside. Now you like to sleep when it's dark outside. Yeah. And then I'll get in bed and she'll lay on the other side of the bed and watch me as I fall asleep. (laughs) She's, she's very particular. Yeah. She she likes to make sure I'm well taken care of. <laughs> she's like the John McClane of all cats. Oh yeah. She's just she's just there. She's just watching. <laughs> I like to call her Batman because we live on the third floor and she likes to watch the cars go by and dare them to approach the building. <laughs> I'm like, one of these days some car is gonna like hop the sidewalk and she'll be like, I'm vindicated. <laughs> I need to see that movie. I think you need to get on that script right now. Yeah, Batcat. And it's just it's just lots of footage of her at various times of day just being like car. Oh, there's <laughs> another car. Car. Yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, back to Australia. Uh, yeah, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, we're going. I have a cat. She's adorable. Uh, so in Australia, so one of my favorite classes I took. So I also like took like set design in Australia. I took a directing class. I took just like a lot of things to diversify myself as a performer. Uh, But my favorite class that I took was uh, in, oh, I don't even remember the name of it. It might've been like drama two or something crazy, but it was all, how do we tell stories without any of the normal thing? Like if you think about theater, how you tell a story, you have characters, you have a set, you have words, And we took some of those away. So my favorite exercise we ever did is each group. So we are broken into groups in the class and each group got 10 chairs and a space on campus. So like some people got the classroom. I had a courtyard. They have a lot of open air courtyards in Australia because air conditioning is expensive. Um, And like, you're just meant like the cafeteria was outside because eh, why not? Uh, And so we got given a group of chairs and we got given the word, um, like victory it was like victory or like triumph maybe and so what we did is we hid the chairs around the courtyard and then as the uh the rest of our class came in we said find the chairs 
And so then they had to walk around and find the chairs. And then after they actually, after they did that, we then asked them what they felt. And like a couple of them were like, I felt like victorious. I felt like I accomplished something. I felt like I did this. And like, so it's, it's how do you bring out that emotion or that storytelling and make your audience feel like so much of the work there the, in Australia, they really love either their golden era musicals or their really, really weird stuff. Like it's all super edgy. It's all over the place. But that was the first point or place where it became about making the audience feel something and taking the audience experience into account and not just because acting can sometimes feel very centered, like self-centered, like it's very like from you out. So approaching it from what do I want the audience to walk away from this experience with is a completely, it's a different way to approach the work, but it also really opens you up to a whole wide potential of ideas and options. Yeah. I love that idea uh, so much. Um, was there any intention of you staying in Australia or did you just want to get back to the States right after? Um, I made a lot of friends there. There was definitely a running joke for about the last two months that I was there that they just wanted to marry me off to someone so that I would stay. Um, but I, I was still a very young per theater person and I love my family a lot. And so I have grand intentions. We were actually supposed to go back and visit Australia in April of this year, but we had to, uh, postpone all of that for another year. Um, but, uh, I love the country, love the people. Um, they're doing better job at this than we are. They have better healthcare, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They do make all their kids wear uniforms though in school, yeah. like all of them. And what's interesting is all of their schools, each school has a different uniform. So some kids will actually transfer schools because they want a different uniform because they're, they get weird and they get very colorful because every school, you can't have the same uniform. So like they get very technicolor very quickly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They wear uniforms from kindergarten through grade 12, every school, public or private, all wears uniforms. So college is technically, or university is the first time that they're allowed to dress themselves in a way, which is just interesting. Yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of like almost that first time where they can like express themselves through their wardrobe and all that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, and that's, I feel like in America, that happens yeah, a lot ahead. more in, in like high school is when yeah. everyone's doing a lot more experimenting and figuring out who they are. But in Australia, it happens a little bit later. Also in Australia, you're allowed to, uh, the way their student loans work is that you don't have to start paying them back until you start making a certain amount of money. Wow. And so a lot of people who get the theater degrees don't pay for years and years and years and years. So I think that's part of why their theater community is so experimental and it's so willing to try things is because there's a little bit less risk right out of college. Like you look at our theater students who are just graduating college this year or the past few years and how many of them are actually in the industry and how many of them are working a nine to five to try and pay for their theater uh, training that like it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. But it's interesting. No, for sure. And is this where you got um, a nomination for a, help me out, a GCAT award for best yes, actress? I what did. I won. I won. So I played Natalie slash Ed in All Shook Up of all coincidental shows. Yeah, and right. we ran for three months at the, um, oh, I don't even remember the name of that theater. 
Wow. Uh, it was 10 years ago, friends. Um, but uh, it was a tin shed. It was a theater built into a tin shed. So if there was a rainstorm or a thunderstorm, it was incredibly loud in the theater. Um, we used to call the lights chicken cookers because the lights were only maybe 20, like 10 feet above your head, if that. Uh, like it was a very, it was very small theater. Um, but they have the uh, Gold Coast Area Theater Awards or the GCADs, which are a regional theater award. About a month before I left, I got an email saying I had been nominated and everyone started flipping out. And then I actually won the award 11 days before I left. Or no, it was like wow. seven, six or seven days before I left was the the ceremony, full award ceremony, full shebang, gave a speech. It was, it was one of the best nights of my life. It was a lot of fun. And to get recognized for doing something you love, because it was a role that I loved and I didn't even know that like it was an option to be in this award system and all of that. It, it's basically, I would compare it to winning a Jeff in Chicago. But uh, yeah, it was a complete just like surprise to get nominated, but then to win. My co-star, he also won. So we actually won Best Actor and Best Actress together, which was a delight. The show also won Best Choreography, Best Direction. And like to get your work recognized, especially at a young age, is something that I don't think a lot of people get. And so to it, you don't want to say it's validation that you're doing what you are good at and you also love, but in a way it was it was just a glorious cap on my Australia experience. I also did hold a koala and pet a kangaroo. Just putting those out there. Go to the Australia you, Zoo. It's the best zoo in the in, in the world. I was going to say, you can't have the full Australia experience without, you know, yeah. holding I, a koala. Yeah. I saw the Irwins do the crocodile show. Like, it's, it's, it's real. That zoo is incredible. I got licked in the face by a camel. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So you went back to the States. Um, and did you go right back to uh, Illinois? Yes, I came right back to Chicago, right back to my parents' basement, as every good theater actor does after they graduate their school. They either go directly somewhere or most likely they go to the parents' basement for a summer and like breathe because theater school is exhausting. It's exhausting. Um, And so I got back to my folks' place. I uh, performed in a little show at the Woodstock Opera House. Shout out. Uh, (laughs) Which was weird because like we both performed there and yet... I think Never. the only time we've only, this I found out really interestingly, we were at a callback together way before Wonderfest. We were? Yeah, what callback? For call Hairspray. At Brightside? Bright yeah. Ah. I had no idea. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. It's a small, I mean, it's such a small theater world. But yeah. so uh, I got back in January, uh, or I got back in December from uh, Australia that winter, I directed Narnia, the musical for CYT. I also auditioned and got cast in a show called Annie Get Your Gun at Woodstock Opera House. I played Annie Oakley. My face was on every billboard in Woodstock for about three months. Nice. Uh, at the same time, I got cast in my first and only professional Shakespeare production, uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona. Don't yeah. recommend it. It's the oh. first one he wrote. But in that show, I uh, met this guy named John, whose character was madly in love with me, and Who? my character hated his guts. Oh. And at the uh, the cast party, I know at at the cast party, uh, he uh, asked me to coffee, and uh, that started all of that. And then that summer, I was in Pirates of Penzance at Navy Pier for the first of two summers. Which, if you want to talk about a cool theater experience. 
that one's a cool theater experience. So the Tall Ship Windy at Navy Pier, for those who've ever gone to Navy Pier, which go to Navy Pier, it's a delight. Yeah. Uh, it's the pirate ship. It's literally the giant pirate ship on the side of the pier. Uh, for two summers, we performed the Pirates of Penzance on the pirate ship while it sailed Lake Michigan. Yeah. 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 Blow your mind a little. So my first year I played a daughter and then my second year I played Mabel, who's the lead girl. And uh, John was in it the second year. He came and saw it the first year because we had just started dating when I was performing in it the first year. But the second year he actually, so he was in the cast as one of the ensemble pirates and he proposed opening night. Oh, I know. I see like Navy Pier and me have so many good memories from yeah. Santa over the years to uh, pirates on the, the summer, but like also like growing up in Chicago, like Navy Pier was somewhere we would visit. Um, I was homeschooled. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I was homeschooled up through grade 11. Oh, wow. Grade 12, I went to public school because I only needed English to graduate and I was getting really bored at home. And so, but it was great. My high school had block scheduling. So we only took four classes a day. And those classes, I think you took for an hour and a half each day. So I took three music classes. So I had orchestra, I played the violin, I had a choir, and I had an independent study with my choir teacher. And then I would go take English. Or once I finished English, I took a Civil War history class. And I took uh, government because I hadn't taken that. <laughs> and it was it was very easy. Um, but uh like you go to the Museum of Science Industry, you go to Navy Pier, like uh, we had done all the things so many times. And like Chicago's really lucky that like we have such a big theater town. We're such a big museum town, the Art Institute, like we appreciate the arts. And so I think a lot of what shaped me as a performer growing up or even inspired me that like this is a career I could follow was being having such access to the community of theater and just of the arts in general and how accepted they are in Chicago, which I don't think every city has such a thriving appreciation for what they have as Chicago does. Chicago is very proud of its arts. Yeah, no, for sure. And speaking of theater, you are so much involved in children's theater. Um, was that something you always wanted to do or mm -hmm. is that something you did right out of college? That's something I did right out of college because it pays really well. <laughs> <laughs> You do it for but the like, kids, but you stay for the money. You do it for the kids, but you stay for the money. Um, but, oh, the cat is now right underneath my feet. Hi, Mabel. Um, but I just looked down and there's this furry thing at my feet. Great. Um, okay. Hi, friends. My name is Melissa. I own a cat. Uh, <laughs> but no, I started... Uh, because I grew up in the, in the children's theater program. And like, I always, I'm always of the opinion that if I can give back and inspire the next generation, that just ensures that theater will continue. It ensures that theater will be appreciated. Um, there's also really something fun about seeing a kid figure out something for the first time. Um, I know I already mentioned it, but Narnia is one of my prouder directing achievements because I took a group of kids that had been performing theater together for about two years at that point. And they had been performing what I like to call like choir theater or like summer camp theater. Or not even summer camp theater, but like they've been performing just like we're doing theater, like what you think of children's theater. Yeah. And we got them to, I had an incredible team with me, but we got them to actually like delve into characters and storytelling and actually like 
put themselves on the stage as a character and not like, hi, my name's John and I'm saying this line, but like actually being like, I'm Mr. Beaver and this is my intention and this is what I'm doing. And you could see it. That's one of the few times where I've ever seen like a group of 60 kids experience that light bulb moment of what being a character is on stage at once. And like, there's something fun about play. It's, it's organized play. I still, um, I direct now for the Children's Theater of Western Springs. I direct their children's summer camps where we do an entire MTI junior show in two weeks on a full stage with costumes and lights and sound. It's banana pants. It's exhausting, but it's so much fun. And like, in a way, it kind of goes back to like why I love closing so much. I do really enjoy kids. I really enjoy making kids feel special. And like, and it's the same like with theater. I really enjoy making audiences laugh. And I like, I like making, bringing people joy. And kids are really easy to bring joy to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you also, I think this is also really incredible what, what you do. You and your husband work with a senior company called Ups or Downs, correct? Correct. So what Ups is, for yeah. Downs. What is yeah. this program? Ups for Downs is my uh, favorite program in all of the Chicagoland. So they are a constellation project of Edge of Orion Theater, which everyone should go Google, Edge of Orion Theater. Uh, and they believe in theater for society change. And so Ups for Downs is a uh, Down Syndrome partnership uh I guess company, it's a non-for-profit organization that uh, runs out of Schaumburg. And a little over 10 years ago, Edge of Orion Theater Company uh, said, hey, these guys could do a show. There's none of this, like, we don't need to hold their hands. They can just do a show. They could do a show. And so they did, I believe, High School Musical, their very first year. And me and John, over the years, have done things from, I've choreographed for them. I've done costumes for them a few times. John has been in, me and both, me and John have both been in one show with them. And then John was in another show, but uh, it's actors all across the ability uh, from every, anything you can think of. And they are all challenged to be at their very best level. They don't get led around a stage. They do full choreography, full staging, memorize full scripts. It's a eight month rehearsal process once a week, twice a week for a couple hours, but to see how, these young adults have grown in their ability to tell characters. Like I have wept more seeing some of those shows because they just feel the emotion. They don't hide it. Uh, they don't, they don't try and disguise things. The best student Tevia I ever saw was a Tevia from this program. He had the acting nuances between all the deedle deedle dies and it was spectacular. Um, so yeah, right before all this all shut down, I got to costume design Little Mermaid, yeah. which was a beast of a show. Little Mermaid is not a little show, my friends. There are <laughs> many, many things in that show. Um, from princesses to fish to mermaids to lots of different things. And so I got to spend a lot of one-on-one time with the members of that cast. We had an 80-person cast. Wow. So it's 60, perform- or 60 participants and 20 staff and interns. Um, it's a well-oiled machine. They are in the process of creating a, they just actually did a digital staged reading of uh, Spring Magnolias over oh, last wow. weekend. It was spectacular. Like they do Shakespeare every summer. They do full musicals. 
Um, they're supposed they're doing Newsies next year, the full show, not a junior show. And like, it's, it's, uh, it's a theater company to be reckoned with. They are building ambassadors. They are creating leaders in their community, but also like, I'm a better person from the skills that I've learned there. One of my absolute favorite things in the world is they do a social chant, I guess, in a way. Uh, it's a social call and response at the beginning of every rehearsal. And through the course of the rehearsal process, you see from the like almost 30 year olds in the program down to the like five, six year olds understand all these concepts and they leave a better person. But I'm like, I want every, cause like every community theater program has drama. Yeah. Every community, every kid's program has issues with, uh, with kids just like punching each other. Like it happens everywhere. It happened. Yeah. Like I was doing a show last year and I was like, why are two of my Aussians punching each other? <laughs> like these are, these are not choices. My favorite thing when you ask a kid is that uh, a couple of years ago, I got some great training in like how to deflect or like how to like break up kid drama. Yeah. And they're like, the best thing you can do is, is ask the kid, or is this a good choice you're making or a not so good or a bad choice? Because they know. Yeah. They know if it's a good choice or a bad choice. And so, and so I just walk over to those Aussies. You're like, is punching your neighbor a good choice or a really not good choice? And they go, it's not a good choice. We're sorry. But like, if you want to put some dollars towards some a program that you know isn't just about putting on a good show or uh, like these guys are changing the world one stage at a time and it's, it's super powerful. So again, edge of Orion, the constellation project, they have a program in Schomburg. They also have a program on the North side in Skokie now. So it's, it's growing. It's growing. That's fantastic. And as you've done more theater, whether it's performing or directing or designing, um, do you have a preference on where you stand now? Like what do you like to do more or do you think it just changes every now and then? I think it changes every now and then for a while directing was my like ride or die. I would choose directing over, I would choose directing gigs over performing gigs. Mm -hmm. Um, or I would schedule, I would, I always like to say, I know what my life looks like for about three months at a time (laughs) because it's about the length of a contract and you just don't know where it goes next. But, uh, for a while directing was my ride or die because it's where the money was. Um, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a, a chorus contract in Chicago. If you're lucky, gives you 250 bucks. Yeah. If you're not as lucky, it gives you 50 bucks, which doesn't even cover your, your transit at all. Um, the 250 barely covers your transit, if that. Uh, so directing was where the money was at because it would make me a couple thousand dollars each time. But uh, now that I'm at a point financially where I can kind of step back, plus I've also aged into my type. I am definitely the like funny best friend, the overbearing mother the comedic i'm the comedic something yeah. uh a lot of time the comedic mom uh it's i'm finally aging into those roles as well uh so i have to say like in the past year or two performing has become my true passion uh but it, it, i think part of it is that i've allowed myself to go this is what you want this is what you this is what makes your your heart go excited this is you love walking out in that costume onto that audience so I, for me right now, performing is where it's at, which yeah. of course we're not doing any of that right now, but yeah. eh, we're trying. 
Yeah, but it's glad to, it's I'm glad to know that you have such a repertoire of just things you can do, which is great. Oh and yeah, I also I also lighting design. I can hang my oh. own light grade and design my own lights. I can uh, program movers. I also uh, can set up your full sound system as well. Uh, the only thing I'm not the greatest at, I can use a cordless drill, but don't ask me to build your set. I can design a great set. Don't ask me to build it. Brad, I needed you for something. No. I know. No, <laughs> but it's one of those, that, like, when you're a young theater performer in Chicago, it's all about who you know or building those connections and getting your foot in the door. And also, I always, I love learning new things. I love learning new skills. Like, in this whole pandemic thing, I've learned a lot about video editing and, yeah. like, technology. I own this big fancy microphone I'm talking to now. But, like, it's... I love learning and I love uh, figuring out new things. I've always had one of those like mechanical minds. That's like, I built a computer when I was in high school from the motherboard up. And like, I like, I like figuring things out. And so the theater gives you a lot of opportunity uh, to just try things. And that's especially what children's theater did is children's theater is where I've done most of my lighting work and most of my sound work because they always need someone. Yeah. I always need someone and I'm like, cool, you're going to just leave me in a theater all by myself for 20 hours during tech week with a lot of lights and I can blare music as loud as I want. Okay. <laughs> Lock the door on your way out. I'll be here all day. Basically, basically. The amount of just like high schools that have let me in during random days. I'm like, okay, you're here again. Bye. I'm like, I'm just going <laughs> to go sit in the theater and play some America's Next Top Model while I'm working on lights. <laughs> you go through phases. Sometimes well, yeah. you need like some sort of like terrible reality tv show that you don't have to pay attention to just to get some like noise mm. or sometimes you have to play like the epic soundtracks so you get it done like all all, like all the rocky music and all that oh yeah all those oh yeah things. oh yeah <laughs> it's sad i'm playing the rock i don't know why i'm playing nba 2k right now that's all i can do probably right now and it's all and i have like the headphones and i'm playing just the rocky music on repeat for like 45 minutes <laughs> oh, I feel like a nerd and I feel so cool all at the same time while doing it. Nice. Um, you have this program, uh, this um, company that I think is so cool that was mentioned in the New York Times, An Actor Works. Yes. Which is an a actor plans, company. actually. An actor plans. plans. Yes. Oh, well, good night, folks. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. If you haven't noticed, this is like the fourth or fifth like fun topic he's brought up because I've done a little bit of everything. So like yeah. we give him we give him grace. We give him grace. But this was mentioned in the New York Times, which was amazing because you did this at Broadway Con. At Broadway this Con, year. yes. So an actor plans started uh, back to my need to control everything. Uh, I firmly believe in calendars, spreadsheets, planners post-it notes, all those things. Um, had a planner from high school all the way up. I discovered there is such a thing as using stickers and planners uh, about three, four years ago. And so I got a planner. I started writing the word rehearsal in it about a thousand times. And I don't like my handwriting. And so I was like, there's gotta be a sticker that says rehearsal. And there wasn't. So I was like, well, I can figure this out. So I bought a sticker cutting machine, got some sticker paper, and I started posting pictures on Instagram of... Uh, my rehearsal stickers. And I think I had like rehearsal, I had audition, callback, performance, and like dress rehearsal. And like, that's it. And people were like, oh, where do I get those? How can I get those? And I was like, oh, uh, let me start an Etsy store. So I started an Etsy store. And then about a year into it, I started, well, we got our cats. I started being like, well, everyone has these like cute, like character stickers for like going to Target or like getting coffee. And I was like, I want to like, I'm going to tech week sticker. And so I drew my cat. I can't draw. I don't, I mean, I can draw better now after three years, but yeah. like I, I 
couldn't really draw. I got myself a little iPad and a little stylus and I was just drawing things. And it's kind of turned into this huge thing. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's the big reason I've been able to uh, tone down a lot of my like side jobs or like uh, one-off little things here and there is because now people buy stickers that I've drawn on the internet and put them on their calendars. So after owning the company for uh, almost three years, last January, I went to New York City for the first time saw my first Broadway show. I saw Town, Ain't Too Proud, and Beetlejuice. Highly oh. recommend all of them. It was like, we picked the cream of the crop to go yeah. see. Um, it's incredible seeing Broadway performers at the top of their game perform, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, I mean, it's like going to see like just how good professional sports are. Like just how good Olympic athletes are, but like seeing them in the same room as you giving a soliloquy, like, oh, um, so I went to Broadway con, which is like Comic-Con or C2E2, but for theater people, mm-hmm. I met, I feel like every theater kid in America, uh, there. And so I brought my stickers. I met the creators of six and got pictures with them with my giant six. Uh, I drew my cat. So Mabel, the theater cat is literally based on Mabel, my real life cat, because <laughs> she won't let me dress her up in real life. Um, nor will John let me dress her up in real life. I've tried. She has a little princess dress. She does not like it. Uh, so I draw her dressed as all these different Broadway characters, but I also have her like as a stage manager and a lighting designer and a costume designer and a director because theater is a collaborative process. It's not just about the leads who are on stage. It's an everybody sport. And so we went to New York City, met a lot of people. And uh, partway through the first day, a lady from the New York Times was like, hey, can I hang out in your booth for a little bit? And I'm like, sure, why not? She spent about 20, 25 minutes with us just like talking about stuff. John was making buttons. I was selling stickers, talked a little bit about being like a working actor in Chicago and that like, this is my, this is my restaurant job. This is my like, instead of working at a coffee shop, I make stickers in my office, in my house. And uh uh, the day after we flew back, I got all these text messages Tuesday morning being like, did you see, did you see? And I'm like, what? They're like, you're in the New York times. And I was expecting like a little like sentence or like a, like, and she makes stickers or like, just like a little blurb. No, we got an entire multi-paragraph section about the brand and about us and about the fact that I draw my cat as stickers. And, uh, it was crazy. And it still is a little crazy, but like, uh, I, the goal, if I'm going to make big dreams, the goal is to go perform on a Broadway stage one day, um, at the rate I'm going, I will be the old lady who yells at everyone on that show rather than like the fun hit dancer. But like, cause I'm not as surprised I used to be when I first started in Chicago, I was in the dance ensemble of all these shows. Can I still do the splits? Hell no. But can I make everyone laugh with my witty jokes? Yes, I can. Can I hit the high note? Yes, I can. Can I still put me in the back of your dance? I won't make it look bad. Don't put me in the front. Um, Thank you, everyone who's ever watched me at a dance call. Um. (laughs) Or who has the privilege of just seeing you dance in general. Yeah, I don't believe in social dancing unless it's choreographed because terrifying. <laughs> I mean, you taught me how to do a slow dance, so. Yes, but that Mrs. Claus was teaching you how to do a slow dance. Oh, I'm dance, sorry. So. Mrs. Claus was, my apologies. She's great at social dancing. She knows how to do some <laughs> swing moves and some like waltzing and some like <laughs> waddles. That's all she's got. She's got a big dress that hides a lot. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so the goal one day would be to, like if I'm dreaming real big, it would be to be performing on Broadway at night and then during the day working on the shop and the brand. Uh, the big goal for the brand is to, it's starting to go there, is to kind of move it into three firm sections. A section that is for the working professional uh, which we do have a lot of, a section for those who love theater. And then I want to write a children's book series on Mabel Goes to the Theater, Mabel Auditions for a Show. Because there's no book out there that says, here's how an audience should participate in a show. Or like, here's how to be a good audience member. Here's what, I mean, who knows what stage dooring is going to look like after this. But like, here's what, here's what, uh, here's what a program is here's where you find out about this. When you get to the theater, you turn off your cell phone. When you get to the theater, you put the candy in your mouth ahead of time. When you get, <laughs> you sit down in your chair, you clap when a song's over. I feel like it's the same speech we always gave whenever you do like a school touring show is that like you clap if something's funny, laugh at it. If you think something was amazing, clap for it. Like those, because we don't, uh, unless you've gone to the theater and we're taught those social cues, you don't know what those are. So no, sure. I was like, Mabel, the theater cat is a great like option to teach the world about theater. It's so funny hearing you just talk about wanting to help children. Have you ever considered just being a teacher? Um, I have, but it sounds exhausting. <laughs> uh, I, I like the idea. I think it's part of why I like directing children's theater so much is that you can really like love on a group of kids or like you can really mentor a group of kids for that one specific moment in time. And then you get to walk away let them go have other experiences and then you come back. I think it's why I'll always be a fun aunt. You get to give them back. You give them back for the like the hard tricky stuff. But like the amount of uh, kids that I've seen over the years grow into incredible human beings. I do teach a uh, voice privately to a handful of students that I've had for many years, but yeah, teaching has never been something that I'm like, Ooh, I want to be a like high school theater teacher. And I'm like, I really don't. Cause I don't want to do high school theater. I want to do professional theater. I want to have a career in that end. But like part of me is always going to love teaching kids. No, for sure. And yeah. at, at this point in my career, like, I'm so much focusing on like, besides the theater, teaching artistry and all that, and just wanting to go out. And I, I think you're right. Being a full-time teacher is so exhausting listening to you and my friends, but at least we're teaching artists a couple weeks, a couple days a week, and then you're done. And yeah. yet you, but you still leave that impact though. Like mm -hmm. as long as you still leave an impact, then, you know, sign yeah. me up. Uh, so we do have some time. And it's time for a game. Yay! Uh, <laughs> time for two. Uh, this is how it works. Two minutes on the clock. All your favorite random icebreaker questions in the world. Uh, okay. There is no right. There is no wrong. We are just curious to see how you do. <laughs> um, I'm ready. Terrified, but ready. <laughs> I believe in you. Here we is go. Is the first question going to be, who's your favorite Santa? No. <laughs> it's going to be favorite Matthew, actually. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> three, two, one, go. Scariest movie you ever seen? Oh, Dark Knight. Uh, karaoke song of choice. Uh, I just won a competition singing uh, Don't Rain on My Parade. The best part of waking up is? Going back to sleep. <laughs> Toilet paper, <laughs> over or under? Oh, um, over. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, do you, uh, no, uh, Brandon or Brandon? Oh, uh, Brandon? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Sometimes. 
left Twix or right Twix? Right Twix. <laughs> you had to try it. Uh, <laughs> are you afraid of Virginia Wolf? Yes. What is your name? Melissa. What is your quest? To make people laugh. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Something from Monty Python. There we go. Have you ever had <laughs> mom's spaghetti? No. Uh, uh, worst job you've had? I was a receptionist for a driver's ed facility. Oh my God. Um, it's also have my you, first job. <laughs> have you ever been kicked out of a bar? No. Alligators or crocodiles? Neither. What's your opinion of the show Friends? Never seen it. Earth, wind, or fire? Planet Earth, heart. (laughs) (laughs) Do you Yahoo? No. (laughs) Do you think Tinder is just for dating or just a game? I assume it's for dating. I've never used it. I'm too old for it. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. The Wiggles or ACDC? Oh, the Wiggles. Australia forever. Boom. That's how they do it. Did I do it? Yeah, you did it. (laughs) I had to, I had to ask the Australian music question because ACDC they're Australian. Yeah, but the Wiggles are fun. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> As a longtime Wiggle fan, well, Melissa, I can't thank you enough for uh, doing this. But before we go, we have one final question, um, which is: Are your parents proud of you? Oh yeah. I think they're I think they're confused sometimes by why I'm spending so much time and work on certain things, but I definitely know that they are they are proud of proud of what I'm doing. They might not understand it, but they know it's good. Well, Connor, what do you think? Oh, I'm sorry, I just got off the phone with Mike. I think oh, any update? How's that going? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about it later. I think he might be taking me to a jewelry store. Or at okay. least I'll be taking oh. myself to a jewelry store. Well, there you go. Well, do you know who you should uh, speak to after he proposes to you? My parents? No, Father Griffin McCurgo, the sponsor for this video. Thank you, Father, for I have sinned. I, I'm not a, no, that's not Shh. correct. I'll be seeing you at your little cubicle later. I'll come and do a confession. No, yes. don't, don't, don't come to there. I'll come to your house. No. And, You'll oops. see me in your backyard. You don't know where I live. Watch me. And on that note, folks, if you want to listen to us, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, YouTube, all the great things. And you can follow us on Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast. And uh, like us on Facebook and uh, tell us uh, how your relationships are going. You know, uh, are your parents proud of you, you know? And on, uh, on that note, Connor, anything else you want to say? I like diamonds, so I'll go to get diamonds. Diamonds are forever. Diamonds are girl's best friend. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.